You're listening to The Conservative Conscience. In Washington, politicians are full of half-truths and hot air. The Conservative Conscience is here to help you cut through the rhetoric and noise and explore the politically right way to think about the issues. You'll dive into one of the most insightful conservative minds in America. Conservative Review Senior Editor Daniel Horowitz. Using pure common sense and ignoring the groupthink, Daniel breaks down the major issues in Washington. You are now entering The Conservative Conscience. And welcome back to Conservative Conscience. This is your host, Daniel Horowitz, on Tuesday afternoon, November 14th. And yes, cutting through that clutter, half-truths, false dichotomies, is something I always promised you we do here. We, we would take a long and broad look. We'd get involved in activism. We wouldn't just commentate. We would always, always pursue what we believe is right and that it's defensible and stands on its own two legs rather than relative to what other people are doing. And it's a promise I always intend to keep. You know, as, as you all know, um, you know, needless to say, the last, what is it, one, two, three, four days or so have been a hell for me. Um, you know, not not just the worst time emotionally on a professional level, but even on a personal level. A lot of raw emotions. Um, you know, as I noted on Twitter, for those of you who follow me, I've purposely pretty much have kept silent on the whole Roy Moore, Alabama issue. Um, just because the severity of it, the nature of what it is and isn't, that it's not a policy issue, an ideology I can comment on. It's a serious, serious allegation that there's no middle ground. It's either someone is completely innocent and being railroaded in the most evil way, or this is a terrible crime. And the person not only shouldn't be in the Senate, but should be in jail. But the fact that, you know, I didn't just endorse, but championed and promoted him from day one. We had him on this very show even before we knew there would be a Senate seat at all, before Trump won and triggered a vacancy with Jeff Jeff Sessions becoming attorney general, just because of the whole marriage fight with the crazy courts last year, and no one else was standing up for giving giving voice to it. So because because of my position, I was presented with a crazy choice, and it was so fluid. You know, you got to do right by him. You got to do right by everyone. You got to do stand for the right thing. You got to do right by the women if there is a if there if this is true. And there there really is no middle ground. And I felt, you know, you you just got to let it play out. You got to let it play out. There there's nothing I could I could say at that point. Um and even at this point, if I would be in a different position, I wouldn't say anything. You know, if this, I, I didn't have any personal involvement in, in this race, I wouldn't say anything. I would continue, and believe me, there's a lot to talk about. Unfortunately, on many issues, I'm, I'm very, very much behind. But I would, I would run away from it. I just let it play out, and what comes out comes out. What doesn't doesn't. I don't know anything. What am I supposed to do with something this horrendous? And and just keep going. But I always want to be transparent with you. So just so you know, from day one, 
it's not that I ran away from this. I wanted to have a long weekend. It was Veterans Day, and I was actually going to finally not work on a Friday and t- you know spend spend the weekend with with my wife and kids. Needless to say, just because you didn't see me publicly so much say anything on it, uh, I didn't exactly spend time with them, and it was miserable. And in fact, I'm so hoarse now, my my glands feel feel swollen just because. I've been talking and talking and talking with people, people in the state, friends, colleagues, everyone, just, you know, examining from every angle because I am involved and I did get involved and I feel, you know, again, this, there's no middle ground. Um, you know, Steve Dace and I talked right away. I know, you know, some of you have seen his reaction and his Facebook post and mine is pretty similar, albeit at this point, I am really incapable of quantifying or, or encapsulating my words into an article or a post. So that's why I'm going I'm to speak about it. And what, what we're going to do is kind of work backwards. I'm, I'm just going to sh- tell you where I am now, then work backwards as to just how this whole thing came about, why I did what I did, and then more broadly, what this actually means. Part of why I didn't do a podcast yesterday, I usually do on Monday, because I didn't want to come to you and act like nothing happened and just talk about you know our usual issues. But I didn't want to talk about this either because you know it's it's kind of like well you know it could come out clearly that 100% is guilty. It could come out exculpatory evidence. I, I just and each thing is so consequential whether you condemn a man as he should or is didn't happen. And I just didn't know. So that's why, and, and also just because we don't do a show every day yet, maybe God willing, one day we'll have the time and the ability to do it. But, you know, this is taped. You usually hear it at best a couple hours later, you know, if not a couple days later sometimes. So I always want you to come away with something worthwhile. I don't want to waste your time to sit down, listen to something 30, 40, 50 minutes or so and not get anything out of it because it all becomes irrelevant. You know, we speculate on things and then, you know, the truth comes out. And especially, you know, so I try to make it more thematic and just about, you know, broad issues, but tying to what's what's going on right now. So, you know, if something changes in the news, at least you get something out of it. So that's why I'm not going to, you know, speculate much at this point. I'm just going to do it in terms of explaining where we are. And anyway, when Steve and I spoke, one of the things we mentioned right away is, you know, we were sick to our stomach right away because either this is the most remarkable soul crushing case of a fallen man that we all looked up to. I I've only known him really him and his wife for a year, but you know, since I was my college days when, when he was standing up for the 10 commandments and no one was standing up to the courts, you know, I admired that. And and I told you that guys that many times, and that's, that's why I was so into him. Um, it would be, it would be just soul, soul crushing. But on the other hand, if it's not true, oh my gosh, do we have evil on our hands. Sadly, what I'm here to tell you is that we definitely have the evil on our hands of the political class. There is no question about that. They they may have struck gold here, if God forbid this is true. Kind of like the DC madam that lives in the gutter and they'll they'll find the gutter, but they are evil. I don't mean for discovering it. I mean for the way they operate. And I'm going to get to that in a minute because this is not, 
I don't, this is not about here. And, and, you know, just before I go on, in case anyone thinks I'm going to engage in whataboutism, just to make things very, very clear. I am not among those who say that, look, the Democrats are so bad, the left is so bad, or the establishment in a primary or in a general, whatever it is, if my guy from my team, I don't care if he had sex with 100 horses, you know, I'm not going to let the other side win. Um, you know, as you well know, I've already rejected the whole binary business of voting for the Republican no matter what. I'm only going to vote for Republicans I believe in now, from now on, which are very few, by the way. So I'm already there. So certainly, you know, if we ever had our dream party and movement, a Federalist Party, a Freedom Party, a new party, and we had one of our guys that it became pretty clear, maybe not, you know, legal due process standards, but pretty clear that they were guilty of something anywhere near as heinous as attempted rape, then, yeah, dude, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm out of there. You know, and if it would be someone that I would have endorsed and championed, I'd be doubly ashamed of it, even though, you know, especially in this circumstance, if it would be true, that it would be remarkable. And I want to kind of talk about how remarkable that would be. Um, so, so, so that's the thing. I am not about this whataboutism. But I'm going to explain to you why so many people in our base are about it and why to a degree they're right, not to the degree many of them take it, and why we're going to continue doing this until we have an affirmative, positive movement that stands on its own two feet. We're going to continue having this push-pull in politics that speaks to the worst instincts of every human being rather than the best, best of them. And it's just going to be a death spiral. And, and, and that's what I want you to take away from this. This is not about the, the Alabama Senate seat. One thing I want to tell you, no matter what, because this is, no matter what, this is newsworthy for the, for the coming days and weeks, no matter what happens. Everyone's clamoring. What's going to be with the Alabama Senate seat? Ooh, we can't lose a Senate seat. Uh, I don't want the Democrat to win, but uh, write in or do this or do that. You know, I have news for you. We lost the Senate a long time ago. They have a de facto 90-seat majority in, in, in the Senate. And frankly, the Senate doesn't exist as an institution. The Senate itself, even the Democrat control, is a joke. The courts and the bureaucracies control everything. The military pretty much controls foreign policy when it should have been in civilian hands. You know, I have an article out today. All Congress did with the defense authorization bill when you could audit and analyze and have oversight over what the executive branch, the Pentagon, is doing overseas. We're funneling weapons and money to State Department designated terrorist groups related to Iran. We're still doing that, still funding them under the guise of fighting ISIS. And we're bringing in 3,500 more refugee types from Afghanistan. That's what they're voting on in the House today. No one's even talking about that. We have a military that says now, it's funny, I, I, I told you guys, you know, we talked about transgenderism. I said, it, it would be like saying you cut your arm off and you could serve in the military. Well, you can't make this stuff up. It came out, the Pentagon saying, self-mutilation is not, not, no longer disqualifying for being eligible to serve in the military. Our system is so broken. It's beyond this one cent. I don't care about one Senate seat. 
And this was never about it. It was never about that. Even when we thought, and maybe still possible, that he's an innocent man, and this this is, you know, that he'd, he'd be good. It was one way of starting a revolution a little bit, but, you know, it's one Senate seat. The entire system is broken. We need to look systemic. I, I see the clamor about one Senate seat. It, it, it's such a joke. This whole thing's a joke. So let's, let's unpack this. You know, it's very easy for someone like me to just engage in policy. That keeps me very busy. I have so much more I want to give over to you guys because, you know, when you're working full time, there's no way you could have the time to dissect this. And I feel like it's my obligation. It really, it's the one thing that kind of keeps me in this business, just exposing the truth. Here's what they're doing. Here's what they should be doing. Um, Calling the balls and strikes, being productive, being constructive. And by the way, I really, really appreciate your thoughts and prayers and encouraging me to stay on. And just like, in all honesty, if I, if I had a way of just right now going to business with someone and just pursuing a different career, I really would consider doing it. But this is the one aspect I really did enjoy. The problem is, it's very easy to do that. See, if you don't get on the playing field and get involved in politics and, and comms, communications, and you just, you know, be a policy guy. Hey, Daniel, that's a brilliant write-up. That's a really good analysis. See, it can't come back to bite you. Issues can't hurt you. At the end of the day, you need to make plays. You need a vehicle. You know, you're never going to throw an interception if you don't throw the ball, if you just have running plays. And certainly, if you never get on the field in the first place, you certainly won't risk throwing an interception or fumbling the ball. But what's the point? See. There's a group of D.C. conservatives and the entire conservative movement class, not just the establishment. I've said this many years. You can only have a party that commits political adultery every second if the movement's okay with it. You can only have a party that gives in to the left on every fiscal and social issue that they control all three branches of government and they can't even defund a criminal enterprise, a private group under investigation for Harvesting baby organs. And it's not even on the table now for the December budget bill. It's not even in contention that they're going to defund it. You can only have that if you have a conservative movement that's willing to cover it up and go along with it. So these folks at National Review and these types, they have what I call criminal sanctimony. It's where cowardice crosses over into criminality and evil. Picture, you know, picture a group of, uh, of of thugs come in and do the knockout game and just try to grab any person off the street and just beat them to death. Picture you're you're sitting there on the just just perched on a, on a hill and you're watching it, and you might have some ability to maybe you're too scared to charge them, but you could have ability to get people to come with weapon to do something to to save the guy, and instead you just sit there and suck your thumb snark, remark, opine, commentate. Are you a coward? No, you are evil. That, that's criminal. That's who these people are. See, it's such a good life because you get to criticize the Democrats. 
Once in a while, you even criticize many of them. They'll criticize the GOP establishment. They'll, in broad terms, espouse what we espouse. But the minute anyone tries to say, well, wait a minute, what we're doing is not that they're winning. Isn't it terrible, Daniel, that the Fourth Circuit Court of Appeals said that a 95-year-old World War I memorial has to be ripped out? The courts are getting a little out of hand. Yeah, that's where the term thumbsucker came from. If you actually believe that, you're obligated to do something. And that's going to be the theme of the day. What is your answer? What is your solution? Other than sucking your thumb. So what they do is they not only don't get on the field, but they rip to shreds and degrade anyone who tries to come up with any solution. And not just formulate it, but to try to actually start a movement to make a difference, to really forcefully say, you know, and like I told you all the time, when I write articles to the best of my ability, I try to make calls, try to get the ball rolling. I, I, I don't, I'm a one man show. I can't do this all the time. Every issue, try to get, Hey, could we do this? Could we get, give voice to this thing? Have this amendment? Cause I believe it's the right thing to do, whether you guys agree with me or disagree with me on a given issue, but I'm not just doing it to, to have fun and to, you know, hear myself talk or write see myself, my, my article online, I actually believe it's a problem because if I don't, I won't write it. <laughs> These people, they're writers, thumbsuckers, pundits, cable talk news, you know, talk, talk radio hosts or cable um, pundits as an end to itself. So, you know, it, it, it's, it's high, high return, low risk, no risk. You get to earn your money, you get to earn your name, you don't have to, everyone's wrong, right? It's perfect. You'll criticize everyone and, you know, but certainly your side, we have to, we don't tolerate this. No, 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 no. All the sanctimony. But then you, you don't, you don't have to do anything. You don't have to offer anything. So what happens with these guys is they, they skate above reproach. It's very easy. They get to reproach everyone else. But then, you know, my our copy editing team, we're a very small copy editing team, given what we do. Uh, but they're sometimes frustrated with me at the length of my articles. <laughs> and give me a hard time. And, you know, part of it, it, part of the reason why often my articles are very long is because even if I broached the issue before, I always, almost always want to parlay into, here's what we should be doing. This is a winnable, winning issue. This makes sense. It's good for conservatives. It's good for America really all around. Or this is a good strategy. This is a better focus. This is a better policy. You know, so, you know, I always have the critique and then here's what you do. Whether it's an issue set, whether it's a systemic reform of our government, whether it's a political idea, whether it's a campaign, a candidate, I get on the field. I throw passes. You know, in my previous work, I directly helped recruit candidates, vet candidates, recruit and, you know, endorse, champion, support for conservative PACs, political action committees. And one of the things that always gave me the creeps is that, you know, again, an issue can never bite you, but, you know, a human being is a human being. And we all know, even someone who espouses your views, um, you know, what is this, Psalms 146, 147, we don't believe the son of a man. We don't believe in, in, in human beings. We don't believe in human beings that have no salvation. 
We believe in God ultimately. And, you know, I never know what's lurking around there. And I always try to be more thorough than anyone. Not that I, I don't have a investigative team. I don't know how to do that stuff. I don't really know how to do background checks. I don't have anyone who do, does. But I really run them through the grinder on just their beliefs and everything and get a sense of their their entire philosophy. You know, th this was when the Civil War and the party was taking off. And I wanted to make sure they weren't just a bunch of talkers and that they were truly a different breed. And then I try to get to know, and I, I would particularly look at their relationship with the wife. I just try to make sure and look, you know, look, look, look at that. But I always knew that when you challenge the establishment, when you challenge the system, you will be teared to the ground. So I just want to, you know, just right away put this out there because on the side that he is, Roy Moore is guilty of sin, I want you to make sure what I'm saying is true anyway. Anyone who challenges the system, that is tantamount to pedophilia. He was unfit to serve before anyone could imagine. Don't tell me, oh, I knew, I knew. No, you didn't. And I'm going to get to in a minute how if this would be true, it, it is remarkable. You know, because my whole point I'm saying is I never, I, always, I was always scared this could come to bite you. And this, I was the most confident given that he was the biggest culture warrior who would have been the biggest lightning rod and target for any of the the, the the most vociferous homosexual activists and all this for 13 years in the most spectacular way. I was like, look, love him or hate him, you know, and they'll certainly throw stuff at him. But, you know, if anything's big out there, it, this would have been the last person because it would have come out. Again, I'm not saying that that's, that's a proof this isn't true. I'm just saying that's, you know, the thought process. Um, so just know every one of our candidates is a dirtbag. Just understand that. Get, don't don't get me wrong here. If someone is a attempted rapist, uh, that that that's a problem. Um, what I'm saying is, I'm I'm moving on from this for now, because there's nothing I can do about this until more comes out. And and you know, if we have time, I'll just kind of kind of revisit my thought process. And I know I'm 20 minutes in, and I haven't even retraced my steps of how I've you know spent the last few days, and and just give over my thought thought process on this. But, I, but again, I want to talk about where we're headed. There is no right way to challenge the system. There is no right candidate. You, I have found people that were upstanding citizens that were respected in their communities, their families, their cities, their entire life. And by the end of the campaign, they were all dirtbags. Every single one of them to a person. I think my buddy Brian Smith, who challenged Mike Simpson in Idaho, that house seat, a couple years back, family man, good guy, they just tore him down. And that's the context I'm coming to this, because I, I laugh. I'll give you an example. Matt Bevin, I, I, that, that I was very involved. It, 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 I don't want to you know take credit where it's you know, it among the people, if not the most prominent in convincing and recruiting Matt Bevin. I mean, national figure, there were you know, certainly some people locally that were more at the front lines than I was at first. Um, and recruiting Matt Bevin to directly challenge Mitch McConnell. At the time, that was the boldest thing. Now everyone hates Mitch McConnell. It's, it's very easy. But when I wrote that famous essay at Red State back then when I was writing Storming the Castle, that was a very bold thing to do back then because everyone loved him, even though people were already souring on John Boehner at the time. But 
Mitch McConnell was like, he's brilliant, he's good, he's effective. And, you know, it's ridiculed, ridiculed. Now everyone's a big hero. But, you know, at the time, all these people trashed me. Laura Ingram trashed me at the time. And she was like, what what are we going after Mitch McConnell? Is, you know, what what a joke. But anyway, so amazing life story, veteran, businessman, was born in a house with no plumbing, built up his own business, um, had a bunch of foster kids in addition to he so he had a total of nine kids including his foster kids um just stand up guy and the minute we ran him i mean it was it was unreal they burned him liar cheater stealer tax cheat lied on his resume cheater cheater liar i mean the worst human being and it was a lynch mob it was unanimous it was I always said I thought that in primaries, I was naive at first. I thought that, hey, the media is not going to have a dog in the fight because they'll wait till the general election. But no, because they understand who which Republicans are real threat and which one's not. And, you know, yeah, they have their own binary idolatry, R versus D. They'll always go with the D. They'll run against the R. But there is a new level where you don't have to have any due process, any evidence. They'll just I'm like, you got to be kidding me. You're, you're not running with this. Oh, yeah, they are. And then the same National Review types, the conservative punditry, they would sit by and scorn and laugh. Oh, look at these crazy candidates you're recruiting. <laughs> you know, and it, it was everyone to a person. Everyone. And that's the thing. See, when you're standing, the analogy I always give is it, it's like climbing, rock climbing up a hundred foot cliff while the other side, the entrenched power, they're entrenched on top of the cliff. See, you, you can't really hit them. You could try to throw a rock 100 feet up. It, they're known quantities. It's hard to define them and make something stick. Whereas all they have to do is chuck rocks on you and you're, you're dead in a minute because you're defined before you could define yourself. So you have no, usually have very little name ID. You're new to the public in general. Who is this guy? Ooh. So it's funny. I laugh now that Matt Bevin is respect. Gosh, he's adopted the whole stupid criminal justice to foreign thing. So he's he's well respected by, by these people um, now. But because he's governor of, of he became governor. He, he was one of the few people rebounded because of the circumstances. He was able to get in and become governor. Um, but at the time, I'm telling you, it was it was. And, and this happens to every single candidate and it will i am warning you if we don't get together and change something whether it's a new party converting primaries to state conventions and any other thoughts you have this is what they'll do they will always do that if you truly have our views you are unfit to serve not just from the left but the thumb-sucking right believes that as well you are unfit every single person i just want you to know that it's hard to recruit to begin with and and then also keep in mind to a certain extent everyone's gonna have some baggage but when you magnify it when that's the first thing you know about them it's out of context it's exaggerated that's how you define someone but just understand so I just want to talk to a little bit about, I would just say, maybe the Bannonite 
the Steve Bannonite mentality of some of our base. And I've spoken to a lot of them in, in Alabama, and I, and I hear people saying like, you know, I don't care if this guy even did that. I ain't letting that Doug Jones commie win. Now look, you know that's not me. Um, even on someone I who I I I would I endorsed, if, if this is true. But I'll tell you I'll tell you where it's coming from. The very people who sanctimoniously complain about it. Isn't it terrible what's happened to our base? They've gone nuts. You know, a lot of people. Russell Moore is. You know, promoting this survey, how so many evangelicals just they don't care about personal conduct anymore. They just don't don't care as long as their side wins. But you know where it comes from? It comes from when the left wins on every single thing. Their people literally commit murder and rape. They get away with it because the media won't promote it. Our side, we just don't dig this stuff up. We we work on policy, so we never throw it at their candidates, the establishment, Republicans or Democrats. We never we we just I, I never operate that way. I just, that's not where my mind is. So you have this imbalance where everything we have, they'll find plus more, plus times 10. Nothing they do grows legs. They get away with murder. These these, these establishment people, these conservative thumbsuckers, they don't do anything. You know, we have Planned Parenthood. So now the right action is then we need a new movement that's righteous. You have to understand, we don't live in a perfect world. And playing to people's worst instincts, until and unless we have that new movement, people are going to be like, the more sanctimoniously you criticize people for it, the more they're just going to push back. I'll vote for you know a guy who murdered 100 people over, over a Democrat, over a leftist, over an establishment guy. And what I'm saying is, to a point, they're valid in that if you're going to hold our people to an immaculate standard, just just understand, like, let's say we started a, a Federalist Party. I'm a very much a perfectionist. You know, gosh, if you had premarital, you know, sex or whatever, I mean, I want someone who has my values. But I'm just warning you, I mean, especially a lot of people do do things when they're younger. And again, I, I am not talking about the allegations here, if they would be true. I'm not talking about that, okay? I'm going to get to it. Um, I'm talking about in general. If they're going to be able to do a level 100 and get away with it and 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 we and our guys do a one and we eat them and th- and throw them to the wolves, you're never going to get anywhere. And that's kind of their point that we don't get any points for it. We never get patted on the shoulder for being intellectually honest. The other side wins. Darn it. I just want to win that. That's the attitude of much of our base now. It's not fully to the extent they've taken it where I am. And I could criticize it, and I do criticize it. I criticized it all last year. But the people that are most vocal about it in the conservative punditry, they have no right to criticize it because they are the antecedent to it. They are why we have it. If we had a party and a movement in the image of what we try to promote here at the Conservative Review, Conservative Conscience, you wouldn't have a need for that to be filling the vacuum. So I'm just warning you, that's where we are now. And why do I say this? Because even if, the now now let's get to more, even if this winds up being true, they would have done the right thing for the wrong reasons. The immediate lynch mob, they're, they're, 
I'm, I'm going to divide this up into pre-Monday and post-Monday, meaning when it was just the Washington Post article and then, you know, the other person and some other, you know, kind of stuff. And I'm not saying I take everything that's true, but putting it all together is very telling. What was very clear to me is watching watching this play out through Sunday night, through Monday morning, was that any other human being, and I, I don't just mean a Democrat or establishment Republican, I mean even a, even a Ted Cruz, a Mark Meadows, a Jim Jordan, a respectable conservative. I'm not knocking them, they're friends. I'm just, you know what I'm getting at. They, nobody, if your entire life you're you're vetted, you are went through the ringer, and it was never came out, never demonstrated that you're you know inseparable from your wife, which he is, and I'm gonna I'm gonna, I'm gonna talk about that. Um, you know, you have a hit job, okay? You know, let's look at this. Let's make sure. Sadly, anything could be true nowadays, but you'd be pretty sure where this is coming from, and until you see more evidence and more of a narrative back and forth. You're going to have basic evidentiary standards, not just due process in terms of a legal term of art, but just even due process for court of public opinion that by default, you have an obligation to believe the guy and until more comes out, you're not going to burn him down. Here, you could tell it was the point is Roy Moore is a Jesse Helms conservative, if you know what I mean. That is not allowed among the conservative smart set anymore. Um, I, I noticed even when Jesse Helms died a couple years ago, it was a very muted response to his death from the conservative movement. And, and it, just, it just, they don't want anything associated with culture warrior or whatever. I mean, Roy Moore is kind of like Jesse Helms, albeit he's, he's like extremely old fashioned, very kind of quirky, eccentric, a little bit socially awkward, doesn't have any political skills, which is partly what, what we liked in many respects. And the point is that view is not allowed. It is not allowed. I, I give the analogy, let's say David Duke were to run for office and you'd throw an allegation, someone would throw some you know, sexual assault, rape or whatever. No one would, would even read the article, much less dig into like, that guy's guilty of sin. Now, I'm not saying it's right or wrong. I'm just saying it's a reality. That's how people would react. So among the political class, including the entire conservative professional movement, that's how they view anyone like that. Not just him, anyone else, even someone that you know an angel would come down and tell you it's not true. They want it to be true. And that's very scary. That should scare us all because I have been through this with other candidates. There is no due process when you're challenging the system. So remember that irrespective of what happens here, that is true. And that is what we're confronted with. And that is what I'm more concerned with as heartbreaking as it would be if this is true. And it's a crusher for me. It's a crusher for probably a lot of you. But I'm more concerned about standing for the truth and about the long term consequences and what we stand for and how we go about doing it. And I don't have a good answer other than what we're doing is not working and we need we need to do something dramatic. So anyway, let me explain how I arrived at this, not just endorsement, but championing of Roy Moore and 
what the turmoil going through my brain until now. And who knows, by the time I'm done, by the time you guys listen to this, who knows what could come out, yay or nay. But here's here's the deal. What we're doing is insane. We see we have a year, we're, we're a year into this Republican era and we understand that nothing's going to change in our country. We spoke about this last week in light of the Virginia election results. We're going to get blamed for everything. We're going to get all the liabilities, none of the benefits. What we're doing is not working. So the Alabama Senate race was a perfect opportunity to go ahead and send a message, to send a message and do something, have something that is that is completely different. And obviously what I saw in him is, A, the whole judiciary thing, someone that would actually bring this issue, which I believe is the most encompassing issue because it encompasses every issue, judicial supremacy, and make Article One great again. Just the entire structure of the Senate to make this an issue. Um, number two, I'm sick of everyone telling me they're a social conservative but refuses to even fight for 1% of it meaning they're for traditional marriage, but certainly they won't fight for marriage. They won't even fight for religious liberty. Won't even fight for the obvious things that should still be easy even after seeding the issue for so many years and, you know, self-fulfilling prophecy with the polling moving on it. You'd actually, you know, so I'm sick of this. I don't want to talk about it. Well, you know what? I'm going to get someone who's going to really talk about it. And then the fact that someone that is just so not political, just his entire being was just speaks from the heart. And as you heard him on Hannity, you know, it's funny because many people heard him the first time when he's under duress from the accusations. They're like, he's guilty of sin because he sounded like a fool. But that, you know, some of you heard him on the podcast first. He always sounds kind of awkward. Um, that's just how he is. He's good on the stump, but, you know, over a radio interview, forget it. So he's always like that, and that's part of the problem, you know. Assuming he is innocent, it, it makes the whole response. It's weird to a lot of people, but it doesn't surprise me if he is innocent. That's how they respond. They they just don't have it together. It would it would literally be the in my mind that it was the first campaign where even Ted Cruz he didn't you know in the primary he was anti, but ultimately, you know, they didn't literally run against Mitch McConnell and come in like a new party, like an enemy, and take no industry money, no cartel money. That was the whole thing. He had no money, but he had the name ID. And my whole thing, you know, people ask me about Mo Brooks, and I said, I love Mo. He's a good congressman, but here's what's going to happen. And this ties into what I said before. They're going to tear him to the ground because it's not just Roy Moore. It's everyone, and they're going to tear him down. And because he doesn't have the name ID, it's going to work, like I just said, because they're going to define him before he could define himself. And I was proven right. They did those attacks against Brooks and it worked. He did it against Moore. It didn't work. And that's why Moore won. So that was briefly my thought process behind it. Um, now, let me go to the allegations. So right away when this comes out, you know, and again, and I want to speak generally to what's happening in the, in the, in the culture right now, not just this situation, but it applies here as well. Sexual assault, molestation, rape. It's a very tough thing when you're dealing with the court of public opinion. Because on the one hand, you're dealing with a terrible, terrible, terrible sin to do to a person. But on the other hand, if it's not true, 
next to killing someone, it's probably the worst thing you could do then. You, know, you accuse someone of murder and no one really knows the guy is a murderer. It's like no one ever thinks because there's no innate lust for murder among most people. Um, but, you know, th this is a, you know, just that general sexuality. I mean, it's there. Of course it's there. And that's, you know, it has to be guardrailed and channeled properly and into marriage and having kids. And that's how God created the world. But certainly we see a lot of fallen people and certainly it's rampant um, among creepy people, among everyone. It's just, it's, it's rampant. But, you know, at the same time, there are, there are times when it's not true. And we have to be very careful we don't overcorrect as a culture. It's about time we believe the women. And there's this shaming that's going on among certain people. They go on cable news because it doesn't cost them any anything. It, it you know, who, who's gonna disagree? It's like, oh, I'm 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 I love blacks better than you. Like you can never, you know, you can never be not racist enough. So I can never that's the new thing because the racism allegation has run dry everyone laughs at it so this is going to be the new thing and 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 please make make sure make sure you understand me i'm not discounting that it's a problem that needs to be dealt with but we got to make sure you have basic standards of public due process of legal due process because you do have false accusations i mean clarence thomas remember i mean i don't know how many of you believe it but that was pretty riveting i mean she came out directly testified took a polygraph and, and passed i mean so I'm just saying it, it's really tough, especially when, you, you know, and, and then when you have allegations from 40 years back, there's a reason we have statutes of limitations. There, there, there's reasons. It's not just a, a legal technicality. There's common sense reasons for it. Now, God forbid, I'm not casting aspersions. You could have a, if a woman is aggrieved and it really did happen, the problem is we need an angel to tell us that. Sometimes we don't know. If it did happen, they should never have to, come out and expose themselves to any public. But that's the problem. How do you know? We, we live in an imperfect world. This is a very, that's what's so tough about this issue. It's a really tough thing because if you can know the truth, you want to hang the guy. But if not, if they're lying, you want to hang her because you're killing this guy. So that that's true in general. And there's something going on in this culture now. We really got to be very careful with it because there are a lot of creeps. It's not made up. But, um, you know, and, and again, you know, where I come from, we kind of practice the way Mike Pence does, not being alone with women, um, you know, and just being very careful with the guardrails and just knowing that it's not a matter of, you know, just certain people. It's anyone could fall into sin in that particular sin. So that's important to recognize. And I just wanted to say that that is a very disturbing thing. I'm very worried if we're going to a, not have due process for anyone challenging the cartel system, which is true anyway, and not have due process for anyone where you know women come out and accuse the person. With that said, the best you could do is just take a step back right away in any thought processes. I don't want to denigrate the woman because it might be true. I don't want to denigrate the guy because everything I... And now, you got to look at the guy's precedent. You know, what do you know about him? And that makes a difference. I mean, look, if someone tells you Bill Clinton, you know, another woman comes out, I mean, no, no one's going to, you know, pay attention to the evidence for a second. I mean, because, yeah, he is who he is. But, um, you know, where it's just completely unheard of from the person, you got to be, okay, well, let's see. And, and again, to fast forward, that's why, you know, the election's not for another few weeks. I'm not an Alabama voter. 
at this point, I cannot continue to champion him without exculpatory evidence because it got serious enough. But on the other hand, I got to be very careful. What if, you know, I, I, because if there ever was a human being who they would do this to, if there's an ever an issue they would pick and a time they would pick, it's now. This is too perfect. I'm not saying it can't be true. Satan has a way of destroying our civilization and getting people to do things in too perfect of a way too. So I'm not saying it's not true. And this is what, so th these are the thoughts I'm thinking out loud. These are the thoughts that are kind of swirling back and forth in my mind, swirling back and forth. But that's the thing. You got to step back and you say, let's wait. And that, and that's what I first did. You know, when it was just a Washington Post story, I was very bothered by it. I said, look, I understand you say it's 1979. You didn't want to come back out then. But if you're going to come out, you got to come out. You know, you can't go from beyond the bushes and some article and whatever. You know, it's too perfect that it was politically coordinated if you don't come out, come out in dramatic fashion like Anita Hill did. You give a statement, testify, give some sort of further narrative, and then we could kind of see what's going on. But nonetheless, you know, obviously, as you know, on Monday, the woman did exactly that, the second one. So that kind of talking point goes out the window unless you say it's completely forged and completely fabricated. And that, you know, that's what the judge is alleging. Um, the next thing you want to do when you're in my position where you issue an endorsement, well, you got to do right by the guy. You got to go to him. And, you know, I, sp I did not speak to him since the new round of stuff. I spoke to him on Friday. I want to be transparent with you guys. And, you know, he again, categorically denies it and just doesn't, doesn't know, doesn't, doesn't know, doesn't know who this person is. And, um, and, and that's where, you know, what I'm seeing is just every day more stuff's going to come out or not come out. And we're going to, we're going to see a picture. And it's at this point, they got to refute it. Now, the problem is because of who, of how they are, so he can't, normally you'd expect someone to do full court press. And that's what's kind of people like, why isn't he all over the place denying? He cannot do interviews. I'm just telling you. Just really, I mean, that's just, it's just not going to work. Um, it, it's, it's like that anyway. And, uh, you know, keep in mind, this is either the most insane thing or this was the worst framing ever of a person. And by the way, just so you know, I believe they would do it to a person like that. This is the way the homosexual activists act. If there's ever a man that had beliefs that are so toxic to the political system that they had to do it to, it would be him. The question is, you know, at some point, are the logistics too much to do? But the motivation that they would do it doesn't, you know, doesn't surprise me. Um, so that's, that's what that, so, you know, at this point, I'm faced with two competing narratives that I don't know what to do with. And I'm, I'm running out of air here. I can barely talk, <clears throat> but on the one hand, on the one hand, this would be the most, I'm not talking about how devastating someone you, 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 you looked up to you know, a, a guy who preaches the Bible, you know, there's been plenty of people like that, unfortunately, that have fallen and have done things. I'm not, you know, that's not what I'm saying. Oh, you know, I, it's hard to believe it happened. 
there, there's two things that I can't get over, but on the other hand, the credibility on the other side is pretty strong. And that's, that's what I just, I don't know what to do. And that's why I'm like, look, let's take out the lessons until now what we could do the elections for another few weeks. I, I pray that by then we'll, we'll find the truth. Um, of course, I hope it's not true, but you know, I'm certainly not gonna <laughs> just the opposite. If it's clear, it is true. You know, believe me, I'd say, hang the guy. So on the one hand, there's two factors. One is character, and the other is logistics of a political environment that he lived through. That if this would be true, would make it remarkable, 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 remarkable. <clears throat> when I say character, here's what I mean. I don't mean you know someone's espoused you know morality, views on morality. I mean, this guy was the straightest arrow you could imagine. Um... You know, I've heard stories about his son, Caleb, the one being getting arrested, how he would do not lift a finger to try to get him out of jail or change, change things, use his influence or anything. He was by the book. You know, the best description of him are those articles on him in Vietnam. It's straight out of a movie. He almost reminds me a little bit of the character Chuck Norris played in the old Walker series. Um, really just like moral, all straight up straight by the book kickboxer you know legend and kind of quirky a little bit socially awkward old-fashioned you know he's the guy who would just punish them for not shining their boots or cleaning their weapons and they so much they were scared of being fragged at night that his that they hated him so much he created a makeshift boxing ring to say hey you want to air out your complaints with me they all got in with him and he whooped them all you know, that, that's who he was. Um, very straight shooter. And, you know, see what, what these clowns at National Review will tell you is that, no, I did see signs. The not listening to the judges is tantamount to that. And see, I, what I would tell you is it's the opposite because he followed statute. That was his point. The law is not what the courts say it is. The law is the law. State law, federal law, God's law, 200 years of settled case law. Natural law in the case of marriage. You can't tell me a World War I memorial is unconstitutional. You can't tell me the Ten Commandments that's sitting there in the U.S. Capitol, certainly on a state level, which is even less governed by the Establishment Clause, even the authentic interpretation of it is unconstitutional. You can't tell me that. He's a stickler for the law. That's, who, that's the person we knew. Okay. That's number one. Number two, what they're alleging now and where there is no room for any middle ground where it's black and white is not just maybe this guy in an awkward way came back. He was in his 30s. There was no eligible girls he could find in his 20s. He dated a couple that were 17, 18, whatever you think of that, however you explain it. Some say rural Alabama at the time. Some say not. I don't know. To me, obviously, it's mucho insane, but... That's me. Um, you know, I, I, my wife's my own age. I, I personally, I'm kind of just, I find like even normal age differences, six, eight years kind of weird, but that again, you know, it's just me. Um, but what they're, what they're alleging now is that two things, a, that he literally molested a 14 year old and that he attempted to rape another 17 or 18 year old in 1977 grabbed her, hurt her, tried to rape her. 
In addition, they have all these rumors now, all this thing. It's known rumors for many years. And I'm going to get to that in the third factor. All these rumors that this guy was practically every weekend running all over Gadsden, uh, just finding girls. What they're describing, and I'm not saying it isn't true. I don't know what the truth is. What they're describing is a psychopath. <laughs> so, what? I'm, what? I'm, I'm, I'm just. I'm just thinking out loud here. What? What is so hard for me, and what is so remarkable? See, you could have a guy that is into his 30s that succumbs to sin, lust. That's in there, and everyone has that inclination that was God put into the world, and. He he. Even though he was religious at the time, but you know, like anyone had had to find an outlet, and he went to some place and did some consensual thing, a one night stand or whatever. You know, people have that. I mean, that's why in my again, my religion, we're encouraged to get married young. I was twenty three. My wife was twenty three. You know, some women get married. You know, even a few years younger. Um, but you know, it is it is what it is. I could understand how you could have a scenario where he could then find his soulmate and never look back and live an amazing life where you're just inseparable from your wife and nobody has ever seen signs of this and j just the opposite. But what you're describing, I'm not just saying in the, the severity of criminality and immorality and evil, but just in the psychology, someone who would have a desire to hurt and rape someone and then actually act upon it too. And then the trolling around like a nutcase to the point that it was a known secret. And some say he might have even gotten banned from a mall, maybe got banned. I mean, that whole thing is hard to know. I mean, it seems like that that part might be bogus. But you know, again, they're reporting that. Um, how in the world does that behavior never show up for 33 more years? Because even with this so far, all the allegations and all the pattern and rumoring of characters all during that kind of eight-year period coming home from Vietnam until um, – or, or whatever, eight-year period from kind of you know graduating law school to getting married. It's all, it's all from that, that era. So again, I'm not saying it category – look, anything in life is possible at this point. But you understand it would be remarkable, remarkable to me. Um, I'm not a psychologist or a criminologist. I try not to dwell on these things if I don't have to get in the mind of, of you know, what would motivate someone to rape. But that that seems pretty, pretty shocking. I mean, usually you you have a pattern beyond that. And, and also, just by the way, you know, also why I'm kind of soul crushed is because I had to walk away from a different candidate that we were seeing, unfortunately, things that that might rumors that you know he might have committed adultery, and it's just it's just so so soul crushing. But the point is, this guy we saw independently, many of us, there just something didn't look right. He was never with his wife. He was always with another woman, staffer. It was just yeah, on my own, even before hearing any rumors, just something that seemed weird. Um, and it was funny at the time when we were talking about this and it said, look, we have to step back until we can clarify this, what's going on there. I was contrasting that to Roy Moore because with him, 
he's literally inseparable from his wife. It's Kayla and the judge. That's what everyone says. Kayla and the judge did this. It's it's two for the price of one. She's his chief of staff, his secretary, his his every. It, they never go anywhere. She he actually you you can't even. And this is what's so frustrating. You can't even get a hold of him. You have to go through his wife. He doesn't have a phone. He doesn't have email. It's all her. Everything is her. So I mean, you can't even go any. He, he couldn't go anywhere. He's he's always with her. Um, it's just that that that's that's the interesting thing. So anyway, it would be remarkable. Number two, just politically, it would be remarkable. You're talking about a man that got reelected, that got elected several times as a county judge or prosecutor in the 80s in Ottawa County. If if you're telling me it was so known he was like that, I, I don't get it. Why would they elect him? Like, what? Huh? But it's more than that. It's, you look when he was elected statewide. Then he gets elected as Chief Justice in 2000. Then you have the Ten Commandments for 13 years from the beginning of the Ten Commandments to the end of the gay marriage, his second round fight. He was ran for governor twice, ran for re-election after getting kicked off and Carl Rove came down there and spent tons of money. And then you had the first two rounds of the primary. This guy was the the only voice in the country standing against everyone who would have torn him down if they had this. It's both from the women's perspective. It's like you would think. I understand the 70s, 80s, 90s. But if you're going to come out, there were so many opportunities where – I mean, again, if he did this, do you understand? This is the biggest hypocrisy known to mankind. The guy who stood for the Ten Commandments at gay marriage and you sat and raped women and were a pervert and this and 14-year-old. I mean, and it was a known, you're now telling, see, it's more believable when you tell me, hey, there was a quiet one or two people or whatever. You're telling me it was a known rumor. Let me tell you something. The Alabama press is liberal. They're, they would be very receptive to it, all the cultural institutions. It's not like you're a liberal – like, look, you know, if I wanted to make an allegation here in Maryland against a bent card and people wanted to start a rumor, there's nowhere to get that latched onto. No, you're not going to find an audience anywhere. Um, but even in Alabama, but, you know, when you take the views that Roy Moore did and then the whole gay marriage fight last year, certainly by the year 2016, the SPLC was all over the state um, – it is remarkable that no, either the women didn't come forward or just the rumor mill didn't come forward. The media, I mean, you understand what I'm saying? If there was anyone who was on the grill, if there's any human being for 13 years, it wasn't quiet. I mean, he was a culture warrior. Um, Karl Rove, when he came down for the reelection, you know, you'd say like, oh, maybe he's so popular. And... Roy Moore is so popular, people are just scared. No one's going to believe me. He was elected 95-5. No, he wasn't. It was a tough re-election. He only won by a few points. He, you know, a lot of people, you know, because the press was always against him. He was either hated or loved, a little bit more loved. But you would have had um, an audience. It, it just, you know, so now they go retroactively. They found one tiny article from 2002. Not everyone loves him. There's some rumors. There's some rumors. You know, he... Again, all the rumors are from before he got married, and you know it never came out at the time. Again and again and again and again, when he ran, 
you know, I'm just going to read to you from Steve Dace's um, Facebook post titled My More Endorsement and what, what he's doing. Um, and he makes a lot of very interesting points. But, you know, he said two months ago, Moore won Ottawa County by 14 points. What kind of people in a primary? It's not even like, all right, I'll vote for this guy over a Democrat. It's a conservative county. But in the primary, they had other options. Um, You know, when Moore was DA of Ottawa County, he was investigated by the state bar and cleared. How would they not uncover this if he was creepy around malls if it's that known? Um, he was a circuit judge in the county. He got 64% of the overall vote in 94. In 2000, you know, he got more votes than anyone statewide except for the presidential Republican candidate, George W. Bush. Um, in 2012, Ottawa County voted um, for the chief justice again. A second time. I, I just, I, it, I don't know what to tell you guys. This would be the most remarkable thing. But on the other hand, gosh, how do you put this together? How do you put something like this together? I, I'm not saying they wouldn't do it. A and that's with the thing. If it's true, I think you'll see the exculpatory evidence. You know, when, when this was just the first thing, to me, by default, if I don't see more, I can't believe it. With this, it's now more like, look, you know, I hope it's not true, but you got you got to, I can't be more religious than you are. I got to step back, do my job, focus on other things, not say anything either way, let the voters decide, but we got another couple of weeks anyway. And by then, I'm, you know, my, my supposition is that, you know, it will become clear. Um, but it's just, it, it just, it just is what it is. So anyway, I'm, I'm losing my voice. I hope this finds favor in your eyes. I hope, you know, you understand where I'm coming from, just what I've been going through. I just want the truth. I want to move on. But understand the broader lessons and just understand, you know, either way, some of the ways we go about dealing with the due process, some of the ways we're going to have with these sexual allegations, with anyone who challenges the system, we have a major problem. You know, I could tell you every candidate I've had this before. The The media will come to your community. And because we live in a polarized society, gone are the days of Ruth Bader Ginsburg and Antonin Scalia relationships. You know, you're polar opposites, but you love each other and very close friends. Um, you go to someone's community, you talk to his classmates, you know, 50-50, the people that most of the people on the other side, they're going to hate your guts even more because they're from your community. And they're, and they're embarrassed and resent you. This guy's rude. He has a temper. He's creepy. I hate him. And you'll get people to go on record. I mean, why should they be scared? I mean, it's not, you know, Russia. I'm not scared of some guy running for office. Most people aren't. Um, they'll go on record. So you got to be very careful with that in general. Because I'm just saying, irrespective of this, this happens all the time. That's what they do. And they try to create a caricature. Um, and I know sometimes you could read this stuff, it's very creepy, but just know, I mean, if that's the standard, if that alone, and you know, the problem is you have the women, you have everything, you put it all together, you gotta see, but just note, it, note that alone, I mean, you could do that about anyone, anyone that took strong positions on anything, you're gonna create a lot of enemies and you're gonna get people to talk about you. You know, it always gets back to sexual stuff. We, you just gotta be very careful, we gotta pursue the truth. 
God loves, as, as, as we say in the Bible, to love truth and peace. You got to have truth before you have peace. And that's what we need. We need a movement that stands for the truth on allegations, stand for the truth on issues, what's good for our country. I hope to get back to regular schedule. There's a lot to go over. I'm very behind on the tax stuff. A lot of changes have been made. So, <laughs> you know, talk about tossing allegations before I talk about the Senate and House bill. They made a lot of changes. So I have to reevaluate if, you know, they made it better or not. Um, I'm dying here. I have no voice left. <laughs> But th thanks for everything. Your feedback is so important to me. Send me your thoughts. Send me your email, dhorowitz at crtv.com or tweet me at rmconservative. God bless you all. May we pray together that we discover the truth, that we only do what's right in God's mind. Thank you so much. And God bless.